Have you ever wondered what it's like to navigate your business through a global pandemic and not just pivot your business model once, but six different times in a single year? We actually get asked a lot, Michael and I, on how we're doing, how we navigated 2020. We get asked to speak about how we've uh, led the team, even just finishing up 2020, realizing we were only down 9% over 2019, the year we hit seven figures in our business. And when we look, we wanted to take a minute for our listeners to go back together, he and I, and think back on what it was really like. What were the hard moments for us? What was really going on behind the scenes? And walk back through each and every pivot that we had to make in the business model and some of our takeaways. And even with what we're looking forward to in 2021, because let's be honest, we're still in the middle of this global pandemic, but it felt like we hit a milestone at the end of 2020 where we could look back kind of take a minute and say, what a crazy year. So we're going to bring you into our perspective as owners. And this will be part one of this two-part series because the next episode, we're going to invite our team to share what it was like for them to implement our ideas, to actually have to be the face of the business to so many of our clients, navigating their own emotions in this crazy last year, and still manage to be professional, uplifting, and motivating. And so we wanna offer to you this unique insight into both the entrepreneurial leadership side of running a business through a pandemic, but also cycle back and give you the chance to learn what it was like for the our coaches to go through this many uh, pivots in a business and still uh, bring the hype, encouragement, and professionalism that we're known for. So I hope you enjoy this episode um, and we look forward to sharing with you what we experienced in 2020. Welcome to the Gymnaza Podcast, where you get to peek behind the curtains of what it takes to create and run a seven-figure fitness facility that ranks in the top 5% of boutique fitness studios for revenue. But to be honest, that's the least important thing about us. Founded by me, Michael Hughes, Gymnaza has created an ecosystem of services that blend performance with restoration techniques and attracts top coaches to its facility. Hosted by its owners, Peyton and myself, and our top coaches. This podcast shares our best practices on everything from how to build a sustainable fitness business to how to program for maximum results to how to build a hybrid training module that's online and in person. We have marketing secrets, movement innovation, and breaking down trends in the industry. If you're a fitness professional or a fitness business owner, this is where you learn how to sharpen your skills and to see maximum results. So Peyton, there's so much of our time that I honestly, I don't even feel I know that we spend future forecasting, right? You and I are a lot about like, this happened today and this is what's gonna go tomorrow. And this is what my dreams of tomorrow look like. What do you think? And I feel that that's been obviously a huge asset to our relationship, but I'm really excited that we get the opportunity, truly, to be reflective. Being now January, 2021, we're going to spend the next, I don't know, 45 minutes to an hour and a half, who knows, talking about the past and 2020 and really digging into what we believe was like our mindset shifts, how many pivots we went into, what we were going through as an owner and as a practitioner, and how we either work together or challenge each other on a, on a decision. So I'm amped about this particular 
podcast and really couldn't think of a better partner, wife, spouse, and friend that we can dive back to the past 365 days that we had no idea were coming. <laughs> Wasn't it true that we've talked a lot about like, oh, when the next recession happens, we're going to do da 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 And yeah. here we were slapped in the face with it. And uh, well, we're not through it yet, but we're certainly, would you say, at the beginning of the end? I think we're at least at a milestone of recognition that we've finished, you know, the 2020 year. And even though I know we both believe we're going to continue to have to pioneer and persevere through most of 2021, at least it's good to acknowledge what what just happened. (laughs) Because a lot happened. Yeah, a lot happened and who we had to be. And what we had to do mm-hmm. was really a powerful shift. Yeah, you were mentioning to me not that long ago that, you know, for some people, and you can correct me a little bit, is, you know, 2020 kind of taught them to, to hold and to rest and to be still. And for us, it was certainly not that. No. It was active. It was pushing. It was the longest two weeks, the shortest one month, quote unquote, in our lives. So what do you mean by that? You know, yeah. Uh, So I listened to an inspiring talk uh, with Mel Robbins, and I think she was with Lewis Howes, and they were doing an interview, and she kind of clipped a section where she spoke about how she looks back on 2020 as a motivational speaker, where all events were severed. You know, she really looks at it as the great pause is how she articulated it. And she even generalized it to say, you know, most of us had to hit pause in our lives. And I thought to myself, we didn't have to, we, no, like we would have been dead in the water if we'd hit pause. Pause was never the option. Pause is what people did who are now out of business in our industry. Mm, That's true. And the number is staggeringly growing. Yeah. uh, More and more. And that's true. So if I look back, right. And I remember, I mean, because the year started just like any other year, Mm -hmm. right. We're hanging out with our best buds at their house and brand new year, 2020. Wow. 2020, right? The vision year, you know, it's clarity, all this amazing thing. The start of a new decade, depending on how you do the math. And three months into it. Yeah. Three well, months and what? 17 days? Well, 14 hold, days? hold up. Because 12 months ago, we threw a huge party That's to celebrate right. gymnasium right. being in business, going on its 10th year yeah. in business. And we had like... It, it started off with this flapper era. What did we call it? Roaring, roaring into the 20s right. or roaring 20s. And we had a huge party. I mean, hundreds of people here. Super fun, catered, live music. Like, it was a really good time. It was the time. best holiday party we've ever had. Yeah. And it was really a cool, like, we felt like we were kicking it off in a really profound and great way. For me personally, I remember, like, typing out in the notes in my iPhone something called why... Uh, this last year was the hardest year of my life. And last January, I wrote down at least 20 things that happened to me personally, including postpartum depression, including like having all these things, late nights, writing this course, doing all these different things and how it was so hard. And I'm really looking forward to entering into a season in my life that was going to be easy. Gosh, you made me think that's right. <laughs> we can't just jump into that. We have to go back we're, to 2019. Yeah, we were a little bit. We were know? grinding in 2019. Like we worked so hard and had a second baby. Right. And founded a second business. That's right. So going and put into all in the R and D and investment. Yeah, we with put that every business. penny we had as people 
because we yep. were funding it from our savings That's account. Right. And it, we li- literally and emptied the ent- all the savings and maxed out the line of credit for Gymnazo on this new business, believing with our souls, manifesting in our biggest ways how we were going to hit gr- reach another seven-figure business. And that's how we went into 2020. That's right. So just real quick, those <laughs> those listening as Ben and I have this kind of reflection here. We started what's called Gymnazo EDU or Gymnazo Media to be quite transparent, which is now Gymnazo EDU. And that was our um, basically tra- it was our B2B, right? We were, yeah. we were B2C. Now it's our B2B to really take what we've done for the last decade and coach coaches because it's been profoundly successful of what we've done with our own yeah. local environment. Long story short. You know, that's where the six figures goes in. That's where the course creation goes in. That's where we're totally uncomfortable, right? I remember at the end of 2019, I was totally uncomfortable. Yeah. I mean, we were writing huge checks we've never written before to try to partner with the, with like the magic bullet marketing team that was going to just rake it in. And we just wanted to make impact and help people. Mm -hmm. And we went into 2020, like, Okay, here's the energy. Like this, better right. work. Guns blazing. All the, all the, <laughs> gosh, all the contracts we had to sign. All yeah. the relationships we put together. It's locked got, in for four ooh. months, spending ten thousand dollars a month for a marketing agency. Yeah. So like, we had some big skin going into the game of 2020 before anything hit yeah. the fan. And that's when we started doing our webinars and just like it's a, it's like a whoopee cushion. <laughs> <laughs> It was a lot of me going, Michael, we can do it. Like you have to just sell people this way and Michael resisting to his core. Like it doesn't feel authentic. It doesn't feel right. This is not the right way to do this. Anyways. Yeah. So I digress. that was yeah, but so that's how we really so first perspective <laughs> and a reminder. I don't want to call it nostalgic because that's longing longing for the past. I didn't long for that, but um, definitely that's how twenty twenty started, was already in a grind. Mm-hmm. hoping for a relief. Like yeah. we were ready to like, take a minute, take a vacation. Like we desperately needed a vacation. Mm-hmm. Well, remember we took a vacation end of 2019 after doing all the prep work for the course. Yeah. We and went then we to thought Tahoe. we were done. No, we went to Mexico. Oh, that's right. Yeah, and then and we, we went thought to we were done. later. And then we were like, not even close to that. <laughs> oh yeah. We were married. Like you guys, we were, we were showing, I was working. We had multiple babies. You were working like 10 hour days like usual. And then I was coming back online from eight to midnight every night with a newborn waking me up four to five times a night. Like yeah. it was a manic. Writing scripts. Yeah. Writing scripts so that you could go on weekends on top of your full coaching schedule to shoot all the content for our mm-hmm. course and our coaching program. Yeah. Yeah. So when we went, like we were exhausted going into 2020, then my grandma passed away, which was emotional for me. And, um, yeah, so we start off with March. I'm like, let's talk about that. Yeah. Well, it's interesting because we start off with that, but you know, the interesting thing is like, you know, I love the, uh, this quote that I read from the Navy SEAL book. When you think you're at your 100%, you're really at your 40%. Yeah. You got 60% left or whatever the number is, right? You got more yeah. left, significant left. And we certainly proved that. Yeah. So here we go. Right back to now we were March 14th is when we were sat down, had our team meeting. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. I mean, we Knowing were... that it was imminent that this yeah. shutdown, lockdown in our small little county in the middle of nowhere between San Francisco and LA was going to get shut, shut down. 
Yeah, it was, we went through the denial phase. We went through the flabbergasted phase. Like, how are people taking this so seriously? Then we started to pay attention and realize it was serious. And it wasn't just serious. It was coming for us. Like, yeah. we have to be ready for this. Yeah, we weren't the first gym to shut down, but we certainly weren't, weren't the last. Yeah, and then there was this, yeah, I think you're talking about the week that it was like, Every business owner anywhere has to make the ethical choice mm-hmm. for all of your members on whether you stay open or whether you close indefinitely or for whatever you keep thinking it's two weeks. Like two weeks, we were being it. sold two, week. two weeks, guys. That's it. We just got to re- rein this sucker Which in. Which could have worked actually come to think about Yeah. It. Well, we can't think about that, but, um, and then like you're in this uncomfortable place as the owner, like you have to make this, this decision that impacts hundreds of people in our case. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember we circled up with our team and we poured whiskey shots mm-hmm. and we sat there. Bullet and bourbon, just for those of you guys. Bourbon, no, sorry. Yeah. Well, it's all right. Bullet bourbon, though. I really can't tell the difference, but yes, you can. So everybody sat around and we just said, like, are we making this choice? Mm-hmm. And we don't know what we're going into, but as a team, we kind of circled up and just said, like, yeah, we feel that we need to make this pivot. Yeah. So we took a toast and slugged it down. Some of us took took two. And you remember, <laughs> yes. And, and we do went you remember, to work. But do you remember walking out of the facility that night? It was eerie. Yeah. I remember being the last one here. Yeah, you were emotional about it. Yeah. That was hard to walk out and feel the emptiness. I think it was 5.30 and to realize this is when we're pumping and there's nobody here. Mm-hmm. Like, what are we about to go into? What mm-hmm. do we have yeah. a business? One of our busiest times and it was empty. And it was a Wednesday night, I want to say, or something like that. Some, yeah, middle, middle of the week. Yeah, so it just felt very eerie and... I remember, yeah. So anyways, let's, I know we wanted to dive into mindset. Well, that's, that's kind of what it is. You know, it's like, what were we going through? You know, I, I really want to share what it took to be a business owner and a coach yeah. during, this, during this time. And like, like all things, it starts with your mindset. Mm-hmm. And I remember you did a really good job of leading that team meeting. And uh, if you don't know Peyton that well, you'll get to know a little bit more right now. She loves any Viking story out there. <laughs> You know, Netflix, she's watched them all. And, you know, it was really that kind of Viking goddess in a sense. It's like weird. Like, it's like, it's like any, any epic movie with any, like, epic Braveheart type of speech that kind of happened. <laughs> <laughs> it, was, it, was, it was good because, it, you know, it was, it was your personality shining saying, this is what we're going to do. And we're going to do it as fast as we possibly can. And I'm going to remove any operational roadblock that got in our way and it's a story that we share that we're proud of that we had an, an email in our in our clients inboxes that Sunday we shut down I think Wednesday Thursday with a complete plan of action and videos already recorded and our first pivot our first pivot was doing on-demand training and we filmed an entire quarter CJ crushed it that weekend yeah and that was that was it it's, it's, it's like it was doing it so take us back to that. So for me, there was a moment that as any leader, you don't share. And I remember feeling vic- like a victim, I would say. Uh, there was about 24 hours where I was a mix of anger and just victimized by all of this. And I was really like, what the hell is this? Like, I didn't want this. I wanted it to be easy. I wanted, it, I wanted to win this year. What is this? And it actually 
just felt like, well, if you want to train trainers, then you need to step up and be a, a leader that a trainer would follow. And you can start with leading your team. And I think that kind of busted me out of my victimness and said, you know what? Gosh, if there's one thing we needed, which was to build trust with a training community that doesn't know who we are, maybe this is the no offense, and, I, and I, 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 it's hard to say silver linings on a global pandemic that have killed so many people. So I say this in um, kind of a somberness. But if I had to look at it from the lens of a silver lining, I would say like it was the backdrop we needed to prove our business crushes it. Hmm. And that our, the, what we've figured out is absolutely sustainable and pandemic proof. And now we can say that, but in that, and in that moment I knew weirdly, this is the backdrop you're going to be thankful for later. And you need to dominate this season because if you can do that, you can talk about it and people will connect. Yeah. I think it goes to share that, you know, we have a lot of, a lot of clients and thank you to every single one of them that have said, well, you guys have really done a great, great job. And we kind of look at each other like, yeah, we, you know, we really put the effort in. Like, thanks for the affirmation because we've been trying. Yeah. And it's, you know, people kind of ask, well, how did you guys do it in a sense? And we practiced for the previous nine years. Yeah. The infrastructure, the operations, the communications, the... We built trust with our team yeah, for years. The, the chain of command, but also the ability to pivot yeah. that chain of command. And that, I thought that was really, really fascinating to see that come out. And... We just wrote it. We just yeah. we just wrote it, and then we were able to kind of fully get an understanding of that on-demand training is good, but there's something better. Well, yeah, and that's where you come in, right? And that's like the, I, the virtual side of yeah. it. Yeah, and I'm always the activator, the move fast, like take no prisoners, have no questions. That's my style. Like if you want somebody that's just going to breathe confidence and execution into something, it's going to be me. If you want it to be good, it's not going to be me. It's going to be you. <laughs> And that's so there's so many points where it's like, okay, I'm activating this idea and you come along and you fine tune it, sharpen it, systematize it, teach everyone else how to master it. And then you're off to the next thing because I'm on the next thing and now you're coming, coming up and making sure it's dialed. And that's a lot of what we did in 2020. Right. I appreciate that. Yeah. It's really this concept that we talk about. It's like, how do we continue to hype up this thing that we used to call um, subpar? virtual yeah. virtual coaching yeah right it's like ah you know virtual it's okay you know it's all right but in reality as we look at it now it's way more than okay i certainly still believe personal in-person training is the tr- is the best yeah but virtual's really close and better in other ways actually mm-hmm. i mean if you have a sweet home gym set up yeah. and you're a self-motivated person it's it's gold yeah or if you live more than 25 minutes yeah. away from your gym or if you moved to a different state yeah you know if you know that amazing talented coach trainer mm-hmm. practitioner and you want access to them I, yeah. it, those are the amazing parts those are the amazing really cool. parts uh, one thing i would say looking back on 2020 from a mindset standpoint it was it was like we and I know I wrote an article on Forbes about this, which was, it was like we were in a Super Bowl playing to an audience, but we didn't sign up. We didn't know we were going to be getting game time. Hmm. Like we didn't know we were going to be watched, but as an entrepreneur in fitness, it was time to get, you're not in the stands watching, like you're actually fighting, bleeding and pushing to stay alive. And it felt very, um, 
And I know the Viking thing, it's true. But like, it felt like it was a battle. And it was a battle that we were gonna prove like are we gonna sink or swim in this and that felt really energizing for me like that visual that rallying cry was really really powerful and for our team who are all very highly motivated very competitive people they that really worked because it was like okay we're gonna do this together and then for sure I would say the big thing that you and I both knew instantly was we were not gonna put anyone on unemployment yeah, that's it's really fascinating. You know, you say like, you know, do you enjoy owning your own business, Michael? And the and Pin, you said it so good one time. You said the best part of my week is payroll. Yeah. And some people look like really <laughs> like is that the worst part of your week? No. And you know, no, it's it's. I mean, maybe from from the heartache, the headache, excuse me, of doing all the numbers and making sure it's right. You know, the the details. But what is the point of payroll? It's to support those people who support. You. Our dream. Well, yeah, what we do. Yeah, right? they're giving their time and talent to help you build your vision. Like it's that's the trade thing. of what being a business owner is. And that, it is. It's the best part. And um, it's this huge, it's a huge, it, I don't know, it's like, yeah, it's like, like, how can we continue to be at least, you know, have that kind of monetary thankfulness uh, relationship, the bond that is between an owner and a employee and that's what it is is that to continue to keep that path going nonstop. yeah and you were you were on that point you were on that point and uh part of that just so you guys know kind of the full details is that it was to make that possible because our business did downtick without a question it was to remove me off yeah and to make that and make that and make that happen and that was an interesting point for me being you know a coach that spent most of my day coaching to not coach yeah. And to watch everyone else coach. It was a very guilty feeling, I have to be honest. Yeah. Like they're showing up early, they're working. I'm still working without a question. <laughs> You're doing the morning show in your PJs right. at 7 a.m., which, <laughs> which was, is a luxurious time. <laughs> it was work, though. I mean, it wasn't mental rest at any means. It was fun, but so was coaching. But it was really looking at the back end, and it really taught me a big lesson. Because I've always been, you know, to me, I've, I'm, I'm raised as a, as a doer. Mm-hmm. Right, the you value. do it. If you want it done right, here's the quote: "Do it yourself." And I'm learning that that's certainly a good saying, but it's not the best saying. It's certainly something to, to step back and be able to kind of look at all the work and all the prep work that has to get to get done, and really showed me the value. And I really, you know, again, there's a lot of prep work, a yeah. lot of prep work to get virtual training to the point of where it is, um, where to the point where we actually started. We made a course out of it. Mm-hmm. And that was actually really, really cool. And if anyone listening, coach, you want to know what we did. Like literally, we honestly made a very inexpensive course that you could uh, literally check out. Gymnazoedu.thinkific.com. Uh, it's, uh, it's gymnazo.thinkific.com. Oh, gymnazo. Thank yeah. you. Gymnazo.thinkific.com. Gymnazo, and we have a, a course that really took us exactly how we pivoted online. The tools that we use, the programming that we use, how we did our, our checklists, how we did our quality control and the equipment list. Anyways, long story short, um, we're all about open sourcing what we've done and providing an example because we believe that our business will be forever 
um, blessed in a sense, financially blessed because we have virtual training that mm-hmm. we're not going to turn turn off. So we want that for you. Anyways. And there's a lot of people I think that have been sitting on the sidelines capitulating back and forth on, is this really going to be the future with virtual training or is it just going to go back to in-person and maybe I should just wait for that to happen. So even if you're in that place, um, but you're curious what it looks like to go online, this mini course could be huge for you. And it's um, jamalza.thinkific.com how to transition your business online. I think we even go into three different ways to generate revenue with virtual services. That's right. So you might find one that really speaks to you and fills in the gap for you. And you might find that maybe there's one that's turned you off from day one, but we articulate two different other options. And one of those might become a huge source of revenue for you that can stabilize your business in downturns. Mm -hmm. Because that's definitely what this has done for us. So, yeah. So, yeah. So as, as we it begin, it's funny thing is that's still like a year ago. I know. <laughs> you know. It's true. So now we go through and you, we, we did the math and we essentially were, um, we had six different major pivots that we had to go through business yeah. and coaching. Yeah. Right. Because every time we did a, a programming pivot, that therefore had to mean a back-end pivot, a software pivot, a yeah. communications pivot, an email pivot. Yeah, it was, right? a, it was a business pivot. Right. So it affected everybody and everything we did. All right, so um, let's list them out. Okay, so the first one that we did was a smaller one looking back at the moment it felt really big, which was about a week before we shelter in place actually went into effect. Over that weekend, we shot on an entire month of body weight home workouts that would apply to 80% of our clients. Mm -hmm. And uh, we had an email in their inbox on Sunday saying, we understand that if you want to work out from home and you want to see how the next two weeks go and you are no longer feel safe coming in person, you can be on demand. And what we mean by on demand is we pre-filmed full length workout videos that people could work out from home with us. And they can do it any time because they have a 50 minute video and here you go. Uh, so we call that on demand. And so we offered on demand as well as we continue to offer in-person training uh, for an entire week. And that was our first pivot. Mm-hmm. We gave people the option to be virtual. They were massively thankful that we were beating them to the uncomfortable moment where they had to pick up the phone and say, we don't feel safe coming here. Yeah what are your options? Like mm-hmm. we had an option before they even felt the emotion that would make them want to shift. Mm-hmm. Then it came to the first massive pivot, yeah. which was don't go in your facility anymore. Yeah. That was the shelter in place. You cannot be in facility. Yeah, Streets are vacant kind mm-hmm. of thing. Stay at home. And even yeah. our coaches were training from their homes. Mm-hmm. It's like, so everybody was in their little cocoon. And it was kind of exciting, I would say, in the beginning of it's it It's like all. a rainy day with a fire and a movie kind yeah. of feel. Minus we live <laughs> in the sunshine coast of California and every day is gore- glorious and 70 degrees and sunny. But we're still sort of like, oh, it's our little family unit in our home. You're training from the living room the two sessions a week you had. Yeah. Well, no, I realized quickly I still needed to go to the facility. Yeah. Which was, again, looking back at it, totally fine because... How's the only one here? Or is the only yeah. one in 7,000 square feet, you know? But we had to pivot to daily co- meetings with the whole team because yeah. we were so used to being social, so used to being in connection. Right. 
talking yeah. in the back coach office. Yeah, like that a, was a whole different thing. And that was a big thing. I'm glad you brought it up. We did daily meetings. Yes. Daily for a good hour. Yeah. Just <laughs> there was so much communication that needed to happen. So much updating. Yeah. It's amazing what one 24 hour, I mean, really 16 hour work day, quote unquote, at that point was and how many things needed to be constantly spoken about. Mm-hmm. I remember the first time. Uh, I remember the first time we finally said, "Hey guys, I don't think we need daily meetings anymore." It's like, "Oh, really? You think we can do it?" <laughs> <laughs> well, because I mean, for anyone that lived through the pandemic as a business leader, you know the news cycle was changing every twenty-four hours, and it could change in such a dramatic way that you had to be ready to activate a new idea or pivot in a new way. So we were constantly updating the team so that they wouldn't feel like they had they weren't getting the info like we were feeding them the info that mattered and mm-hmm. yeah. and energizing them all together yeah and then exactly 12 weeks later mm-hmm. right that's when we come back inside that's our our third pivot but i but one thing about that pivot the second pivot which was moving to entirely virtual we were very obsessed with the customer experience and i think that's one thing we did very well absolutely focused on the customer because we knew like this people are feeling isolated i mean we had faces and names to people that lived alone that had just lost a significant other and they're they couldn't see their grandbabies like people that are just really getting depressed or anxious or whatever like and we knew it. And so it was like, how do we show up for them? Can we keep them in our focus? Because that's going to guide us to innovate the right things. So that's when we said, let's do a morning show with Peyton and Michael in our home with our little babies running around, because at least that brings connection and friendship into people's living rooms. And a lot of people tuned in and were really happy to feel like they had that human touch. We were doing that five days a week. I remember, the, I remember the first two weeks, it was seven days a week. Yeah. And then we were like, that seems a little extreme. Can we at least sleep in one day? Which, <laughs> as parents of toddlers, yeah, is impossible. It, it, yeah, that made sense. That was really nerve-wracking in the beginning, to be quite honest with you all. Um, and it was always nerve-wracking for the first three to five minutes. Yeah. And then by minute five, six, he was like, oh, this is fun. Or it's me looking just bedraggled in a bathrobe trying to make you coffee you feeling stressed that it's 7 a.m and we have to be live and then just wanting to have an opening song and putting way too much pressure on ourselves when really when we sat down we had no topics that we knew of to speak about we just had to riff off each other yeah and that was fun it was fun yeah i kind of miss it actually like i wish there was a reason we could just like have a morning show again maybe we will <laughs> this podcast will be the reason we should go live more often but yeah. but we did that we did facebook lives and we just set yeah. our team yeah. free even though we had our morning show our coaches had their own shows right yeah the kalina Viper and show, mitch the, did their yeah. cooking show then we had like cj doing his mindful movement um thursday evenings and rope flow he I'm did a rope flow like he was taking stuff from weck method that he was excited about and doing it live with clients who then wanted to buy ropes from us then we started making ropes like it started which this, now we have a rope program yeah which now person. exactly yeah. I mean, we've we've innovated so many times but we cut our team loose and literally said build what you want you have to go live on facebook you know x number this day at this time mm-hmm. And so Kalina would be like, okay, fine. I'm going to do a kettlebell sequence. And yeah. she would do it for people who owned kettlebells. And, and then Sean did the backyard book backpack 
Yeah, like load up your backpack with weights, follow along, and we just had fun with it. And now we have over, what, 150 different recorded videos in our Facebook group for our members. Gosh, you know, it's kind of interesting. Like we have to go back, like that Facebook group still has a lot of intrinsic value sitting there. I kind of just realized that. Like you got a lot of workouts that... Well, come a rainy day, you know. And then we went back and we took, we went and interviewed probably 80% of all the the past coaches we've ever had on staff because we thought that would be a community connector. And Mm -hmm. so we would interview them in a Zoom call, go live on Facebook, and people would get a chance to connect to coaches they hadn't seen in years. We did remote wine tastings. We did remote beer socials. We did 105,000 club remotes. People were still getting like hitting their 500th workout with us. And we would like doorbell ditch them a t-shirt while they were live on a Zoom call social. And then we'd ask them to go check the door and then it would be fun and everyone could cheer for them. We really... very jam-packed three months. Yeah, we did not sit back. Man, we did not sit back. We might have lightened the coaching schedule by me maybe 10 classes a week, but we pumped out content. Mm -hmm. And I'll say this, our team really showed up and like mentally had to get over their bed head, had to get over (laughs) the disorganized lighting or back backdrop. Like they had to rally and get over themselves in the service of others. And within 12 weeks, they were dynamite on video. Yeah. And the clients being able to follow through and yeah. you know take this take this in person experience where they have the facility they got all the cool equipment you know the da 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 and to be in the living room i mean we didn't have any choice no one had choices in a sense you know but it was great and i'm just thankful that they they did follow through because mm-hmm. that was uh, obviously it takes two to tango, but and don't um, forget in this pivot as well because this was the biggest pivot. So we're spending a little more time on it because we also Michael was sitting there and we were going, okay, we've got a range of clients. Some paying us ninety nine bucks, some paying us four to six hundred dollars a month. How are we like we're blowing up anybody under two hundred dollars a month? Like they're getting more value than ever because it's unlimited access and like there's you know a lot more value there. How are we want to be very insecure about those higher paying clients? Many of whom were just bankrolling us to stay alive, so when they wanted to reengage, they could come back. Yeah. But but that's not a good place to be in as a business, and you feel like. Well, we feel like you got to serve. Yeah, we don't want to owe people. It's like you don't want to owe people, but you also don't want to take advantage of people. Mm. And so it was like, okay, what do we need to do? How do we? And we obsessed about it. And I remember that one day you stood there looking around all the equipment in Gymnasio and you were like, Peyton, we are the Amazon fulfillment house. And I was like, oh my gosh, that's so brilliant. Because we were struggling to get equipment, which was backordered months into the homes of our clients because they were missing weights and body weight was only doing so much. And you stood there and were like, we need to get this equipment in their hands. And so we gave complimentary equipment for the VIPs. We allowed people to rent other equipment if they were at a different level of membership. Um, And we moved equipment out and and into people's homes. Mitch and Mercedes crushed that. 
Yeah. The spreadsheet on that one is <laughs> impressive. Very detailed. Very impressive. Yeah. And then, and then we had equipment bundles. Anyway, yeah. so we, yeah, so that's the, those are some big, that was a big pivot. That was a 12 week pivot. That was a long one. But then well, in then, June. Then we, we, then we built semi private yeah. virtual, right? And we thought that was like, how do we do that? It's so fascinating to go back and be like, oh, yeah, that's how we do it. Super simple. Yeah. But to build it. Like, to, you know, like building that manufacturing line is the hardest thing. You know, it's like, and that was the biggest thing that we figured out how to do semi-private virtually. And honestly, the one thing that will most certainly not go away is yeah. virtual semi-private. Yeah, it's so that, valuable. It's, yeah, that's an absolute uh, keeper. Um, yeah, so that was all in, in there as well. Okay, okay. We got to right, move on. So that brings us to June when we were finally right. allowed to open at 10% capacity in California. Right. Which, thank goodness, on one hand, in a 13,000 square foot facility, we could operate decently back to where we were before. Right. Yeah, we were limited, but not by much. Was, we were limited because of social distancing, not necessarily because of um, square footage in a yeah. sense. Like, um, if you were a yoga studio 3,000 square feet, like, you could only tough, have, like, man. four people in there when you were used to 30. Like, that's right. huge. Right. For us, we were allowed to have 30 people in the facility at any point, pretty much. 24, I want to say, maybe. 26. Um, that's good. Yeah. <laughs> and so that's when we tried hybrid. Yes. And hybrid, you know, hybrid, honestly, I have to say this. I'm, you know, Describe what it is first. So hybrid training, you know, there's, there, there's, this, there's this notion where they're called a hybrid gym. And what that typically means is you do virtual and in person. But you do virtual or in person. Yeah. We did virtual and in person. Meaning the virtual session that was running was the exact same session as the in-person session. It's the ultimate. I honestly believe it is the ultimate in terms of service for fitness. However, it is extremely challenging to mm-hmm. do. Ask our coaches that, ask our clients that. And I honestly really, I'm going to try to bring it back, obviously learning from you know mistakes and whatnot. But because I do think there is a happy medium and I, mm-hmm. I won't get into it here, but it's really basically we have these 70 inch TV screens where virtual people were doing the exact same workout as the people in facility and the coach had to coach the screen and coach the people live live. And they did it. But it was man, up to our quality. Mm, oh, no. it wasn't up to the coach's quality. Yeah. I mean, you'll hear that at the tail end of this podcast where we ask them to give their candid experience, but that really pushed them. Yeah. Because mentally, emotionally, my perspective was they were missing human connection. They were really feeling isolated. It was almost like such a low vibration it felt at times because they just wanted to be around people. They finally get to be around people, but now they're tech support. But now they're having to coach a screen that can only hear the coach but can't hear the jokes in the back and now the coach is trying to tell them the jokes so they feel included while trying to give modifications and coach and then trying to figure out the music and the timing and the volume and and it was a lot. Yeah. Our coaches crushed it in my opinion they did so well but that we asked a lot of them in that pivot and looking back we didn't have the right tech for it you know we tried to make it as simple as possible but sometimes spend the money and on on the tech people (laughs) spend the money on the tech yeah so that was a big pivot it only lasted three and a half weeks was it that like a month it was that short because right after fourth of july it went to sorry guys you can't be in person unless you're in a park 
right. or a parking lot. And, and at the four. time, we were like, screw the parking lot. That's ridiculous. We don't want to use a parking lot. Let's use a park instead. Mm-hmm. And so we were just doing parks and then going back into virtual. Right, pure virtual. Pure virtual. So the coaches could actually be in facility coaching the big screens. So at least that was set up so they didn't have to be in their homes. They could still be around each other, distanced, etc. So that brought a really good – kept the energy good for the team. Mm-hmm. But then the park workouts, it's like hit and miss. It got harder and harder because, not harder and harder, it got more challenging in a sense because of uh, maintenance schedules and park uh, uh, recreation. And then, you know, people people are used to a nice facility. And facilities, yeah. it's, it's flat ground. So you're talking mm-hmm. about tree stumps. Even though it's quite functional, it's really re- realistic. It's just, it's, a, it's, 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 a, it's another change, right? Yeah. We and they were missing the, equipment yeah. too. And it's really, and it gets sunny and Mm -hmm. you know we're used to this you know it's like it's really interesting what a training environment really does to um chip away at people's um challenges in a sense right fitness is hard taking care of yourself is hard mentally Mm -hmm. so you really try to break down as many barriers so it's as easy as possible um anyways the park certainly worked certainly worked and for those people there's people are are still training at parks to this point because they certainly because we still can't be inside and they don't have a parking lot at all. Yeah. Anyway, so just good on those coaches out there who are listening that are still training on tennis courts and playground parks. Yeah, it's hard, for, and it's hard to haul all of that equipment out for just yeah. a one hour and then have to pull it out again. And then in our town, the, the, the parks and rec department would only allow you to have four hours a day. So, and they wanted it like back to back because they were juggling all these requests. And so that was hard. Cause it's like, wait, we're training 12 hours a day. Like we haven't changed the f- much around the fact we still have a 6 a.m. We still have a 5.30 p.m. Like mm-hmm. we can't commit to four sessions. So then that was challenging around that too. So, um, and then, okay. So that was two pivots in March, one in July or one in June, one in July. And then the f- fifth pivot is when it was oh and i can't remember if it's september or october but there was um but sometime early fall we were allowed back in facility again at that 10 percent capacity like almost got to the 25 like we were like on this yeah. ramp like yeah it was like yeah. right before That's right true. Before, it was right before halloween it was like oh like we had we were at plans we had meetings we had blueprints ready to go to 25 percent. no no no. that's the next pivot hold well, on no i know i know yeah yeah but it wasn't after halloween it was after thanksgiving it was like thanksgiving week you guys sat down and said okay if we can expand to 25 percent, what does that look like and you guys were like we need to hire another coach yeah. like that's the conversation i think and then, so anyways, we were allowed back in and then we were just doing virtual. So we kind of kicked hybrid to the side because mm-hmm. we had worked it out to where we had virtual handled, um, the music was figured out, all the different elements kind of were dialed. The coaches were liking focusing on the virtual environment only. And then we brought in-person back in and allowed the coach to focus on in-person dynamics only. Right. But that was still going to one program. When our when we're used to three, yeah, and that was again another another challenge we run point. Three different levels of group training right, at the same time. Three different yes. coaches, three different programs, three different clientele demographics, and uh, it just again I you know tip the hat to our clients for for a providing feedback, b sticking with it, mm-hmm. um, c making the most of it, and you know here's here's honest truth: when we get feedback, we know it. 
we already know what's going on, but you know, obviously, we do our best to say, okay, how do we how do we solve as many problems with as few solutions as possible? But it's really great to have have an amazing community where they're like they're just honest with us, you know, yeah. just honest, like okay. So we get we get enough of them, right? To be quite frank, we get enough of them. Like okay, we're gonna make it happen. We're gonna make it switch, and. Um, well, it led us to where we are now. I don't want to jump ahead too much more, but... Well, no, that's that's about right. So between Pivot 5 and Pivot 6, we were planning to pivot into more freedom and flexibility. Then Thanksgiving hit. Then the case count started to escalate. And we went from being able to consider going to 25% capacity to, to sorry, guys, pull the plug. Literally within, like, you, you have 24 hours to move everything back outside. And we were like, oh, that was hard. But we'll give you 72 hours before we start enforcing anything. I yeah. remember that fine-tuned little detail said, we're taking the 72 yeah, hours. Yeah, we'll take the 72 hours, thanks. And that allowed us to buy every single horse stall mat in the county to go outside in a way that was yeah. And this time... Okay. Yeah, know. this time we said no park. Right. We're going to actually bite the bullet. And invest in an outdoor facility. Mm-hmm. And we're going to have to do the thing that wrenched your heart out in a little bit, which was start dismantling the internal facility and start yeah. migrating it outside. Honestly, I would have said it the exact same phrase, dismantling. Yeah. For anyone listening, I'm, a faci- I'm an operations guy. Yeah. I am an operations guy. I love it. I love it. I love it. love it. And to take away something that you've been building for for a decade. This facility that we're in. Well, we were in it for five years. No, 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 no. Oh. This facility we're in now was yeah. a dream of mine. Yeah. At, from our first facility. Mm-hmm. Like, I knew what I wanted from the very beginning. And I finally got it. Yeah. Long story short, to, to rip it apart. Yeah, emotional. <laughs> it sucked. I'll be honest with you. It really sucked. I mean, it's great what we have outside. It really is. But... Um, yeah, it was, that was really hard. It wasn't as hard as the first shutting night, shutting down the facility, mm-hmm. you know, but yeah, that was, but it was also rewarding because it was finally, we could draw a line in the sand yeah. and do it Well, let's, versus wishy-washy. Let's talk about the local health coalition. So right before Thanksgiving, yeah. they getting word that we were going to close. There was this whole movement locally saying, we're not. And we're going to put it on a website for public display saying we are the front line. Actually, what they believe in, we believe in too. We are the front lines of health. We will not be benched. We are health and fitness is the way to fight this pandemic. Like we are moving into that. Like we stand behind a lot of that stuff. But they were like, we will not be going back outside. Like we will continue to operate fully indoors. And that's where it was like, honestly... As much as I love to be a rebel and stick it to the man and not be controlled and I hate overreach on authority, like I so wanted to join, but it wouldn't have served our clients because the clients, our clients and community really do care about safety and really do care about distancing. And even though we feel we can do that in our facility, it didn't feel right. Yeah. And so we got some some uh, fl- um, backlash from that, both from the training community and some of our clients. Finally said, screw it, we're not going to do it because you aren't breaking the rules. Yeah, it's very interesting because no matter what, you know, the, no matter what, there was no best answer. 
There's mm-hmm. only an answer. There was no win-win. It was always a win-lose or lose-win. Yeah. And so we made the best lose-win that we thought we could we we can make, and it was it was it what it was what it was a mm-hmm. lose-win. Well, here's the truth: we're the ones who had to sign for all the loans. We're the ones whose ass will be handed to us if we make the wrong choice. So at the end right. of the day, we have to navigate our conscious, um, like what conscience, excuse me, mm-hmm. and what we feel right about. And so I remember we talked and you said, what can I spend to go outside? And I was like, literally off the top of my brain, this is the number. And you're like done. And you've been tracking and buying and, and planning and, and executing on it. And even okay. yanked a water feature from our backyard that went missing. And then it turns out to be like one of the favorite things you got <laughs> landscapers building, we got planter boxes. You had, you have like trees trying to bring some greenery in you. We got shipping containers that you loaded with all equipment. So you just open the sliding doors and there's equipment mounted, ready to go. Yanked the turf out. Like now we have rubber and turf outside and it's really cool. Cool. Yeah, and just putting the finishing, planning touches on an overhead, sh- you know, shade is kind of it's a full. It's going to be full blown in the next two weeks. It will be done. Yeah, and that's exciting. Um, yeah, it is exciting, and it's crazy because like I don't know that us doing this, it's hard to know if it re- recouped our investment in it, but it still feels like it was the right choice for our members. Oh, I think it's very simple to say. By no means have we recouped the investment, but it is. <laughs> But honestly, here's the truth of it. It's fun. It's energizing. So if you ask Michael, how how you doing? Yeah. I'm honest. I'm having the time of my life. Yeah. I'm being an entrepreneur. Yes. It's and so it's true. it's fun. It's fun. Yes, there is this thing called a loan. But you know what? It's really a capital investment. Yep. From an outside source called the taxpayers. Ooh, that's a good one. You know? I should have talked about that a little bit earlier because I did get through a funk when I had when everyone kept congratulating me on the fact that we got government funding, but the terms of the government funding was the equivalent of having a mortgage, taking a mortgage out on a business I already owned, and it felt so demoralizing and negative. And I was like in a victim mindset. I think around around May with that. Like even we went on a date night once and there was another couple and they were very flippant in my um, perspective about, oh, that's great. You guys got all the funding you want. You'll be good. And I was like, do you even understand? Like we'll be paying this back for 30 years at 3.75%. That's a freaking mortgage, people. And we owned it outright and I was really upset about it. And then it was like head shift. You can either think that, or you can say that was the easiest venture capital I could have possibly come into contact with. And I'm just going to say that the United States government just backed my business vision. Hmm. And that's literally the only way you can look at it and stay positive. So that's the way we've been talking about it. Like we have to steward this in this money to build revenue streams not to just keep us afloat. Like what we do with this money has to fuel innovation that will last far beyond this pandemic. Right. And the best part is capital investments, VCs, they get to own your business. Yeah. We true. get to, we get to maintain hundred percent ownership. So, there you, go. you know, just more looking at it from that, from that light. And it's been, again, you know, looking back at 2020, you know, people said again, and if people ask me from here on out, I'm going to say it has been, the year with the most amount of silver linings, hmm. the most amount of opportunistic 
points that I've ever had condensed into nine months. And yeah, that's honestly my, the truth of it all. The truth of it all. It doesn't mean it was easy. Does it, in fact, it was the hardest business year of our lives. Even when Janazo started, it started in the Great Recession of 2009-10, 11, coming out 12-13 in a sense. Like, but we started there, so we didn't, I, I didn't know any different mm-hmm. in, in, all, in all honesty. Um, so yes, it was the hardest part, but it's where we, I believe, not just we, you and I, but the team, our clients, mm-hmm. our community shined yeah, and still are shining, right? We're not done. Yeah. You know, it certainly is a clear path to get out of this thing. Um, but it has to be implemented. Um, and then this amazing hope for 21, right? Is that, and that's really comes out like where yeah. we were, where we were starting 2020 with this hope, right? This new venture that we started and put all of our eggs in the basket and it got chopped, <laughs> chopped at the knees. You know, this could still happen by definition, <laughs> yeah. but it's like we're, it's like I'm back to, to the beginning of 2020 again saying, here's this hope, but it's, but it's now times two. There's two mm-hmm. hopes, you know, the hopes of the B2C and now the hopes of the B, um, to the B2B business to business, business to coaches. And now our business to, to clients has a whole new opportunity with the virtual side of things. Mm-hmm. And I want to share like, you know, we now have clients, and I've shared this in other podcasts, we've had clients that are not from this area. We have clients that have moved away that are still members with us. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we, those are opportunities that we did not have the bandwidth for last year. Yeah, um, true. And we can acquire more clients than our, than our local community can, can sustainably give us. Mm-hmm. Like I remember we, how, how, how we talked about, we had talked about like how many clients we have and what's the percentage of the, of the market that we own in a sense, in terms of clients, that's no longer a figure that we can justify be run because yeah. it, it just doesn't matter. Yeah. It's a globalized training. Um, this virtual reach is a real, uh, piece to leverage. And for us in 2021, there's this excitement around, gosh, if we can, if we can drive demand for our virtual training, we can help capture some talented trainers, uh, like get them onboarded in our team and allow them to join the remote training team. And that's super exciting. Right. It's really cool to have a business in training and conditioning, a service-based business where we can have teammates that are basically remote mm-hmm. right yeah and i was i, I want to say this you know i wish i knew this going into this field but the training and conditioning industry is not a high money making you know leveraged you're not gonna become a millionaire like you you know whatever the case is just say simply it's not that it's a passion yeah. industry it's bleeding heart givers who want to help make people's lives better and who don't charge what they're worth. And as a result, have we've normalized cheap prices for very high quality, high intention people. Yeah. Nice. This industry, um, I, I firmly believe two th- up leading up to 2020 was becoming a commoditized industry. Now it's being reversed or has the opportunity to be reversed where leverage is there where special where specialties can be accessed, hmm. um, where you don't have to just settle for what's in your community, you can push for something different. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a big a big excitement for me that um, I'm amped for. It's truly amped for. And the last piece is that though it's not fully recognized at the at the legislative level, but 
I think people really start to respect how important a solid immune system is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And there are essentially, I'm going to just break it down to as simple as I possibly can, three ways to get a strong immune system. Food, movement, and stress. Yeah. Sleep, whatever you call those. Yeah. That's it. And we cover two of those. I mean, we cover all three of them, if you really yeah. think, think about it. And that is baseline healthcare at its finest. Yeah, not pre- uh Preventative, not no, no, reactive. I used it. I actually use it the way I thought it's most appropriate. Healthcare. Yeah, not sick. Not care. sick care. I like that. Nothing against hospitals or doctors. Those that sick care, just flat out definition. Yeah. You only go to them when you're sick, or in need. This is when preventative. Anyways, that's my soapbox. But so the way we've we've designed this episode to go is um in two parts first part is from the owner entrepreneur uh skin in the game side of of the pandemic looking back you know what did we do what was the mindset what was it really like etc and then we wanted to give um also the perspective from our team who really had to take our ideas, take the technology that we handed them, take the prescription for how to do it and go and win it with it. Like go and get themselves right about how to bring good quality energy into a crazy pandemic and how to energize and inspire people who are not doing well mentally. And not to say they all weren't, but enough were in a, I think we could all safely say 2020 was a mental struggle for a lot of us at various points more than others. And how as a coach, do you have that experience yourself as an individual, but how do you authentically go and roll out with a smile and with a heart, all these services, this many pivots. And so we want to invite some of our um, key team members to have a uh, candid conversation about what it was like from their vantage point as well. Yeah. So are you ready to listen to that? Yeah. And uh, this is Peyton Michael out. It was great to chat with you. Yep. Hey, y'all. I hope you guys enjoyed today's episode. And if you did, please share it with your fitness-obsessed friends and peers who are also navigating this world of fitness and trying to succeed to the trends and misinformation. As you guys can see, this podcast is basically a masterclass for trainers wanting to level up in their coaching skills and their fitness business model. Relaunches in 2020 because you and your fitness tribe deserve to see an unfiltered look at all the aspects of what it takes to stand out as a next generation coach and build a successful fitness business. So share it far and wide. And please, when you do, do me a favor, take a screenshot of this screen and share it to your social media accounts and use the hashtag Gymnazo Podcast. That's hashtag Gymnazo Podcast. That way we can see you and share your post with our audience. And finally, when you're ready to go to the next level as a coach or in your business and to reach more people, please go check out gymnazoedu.com. We have put together the best 90-day coaching program on the market for trainers wanting to become a masterful practitioner and build a business that gives them the freedom and impact. So let us help you do just that. We have online training and one-on-one coaching to guide you through a full 90-day certification. 
We even get you training our clients live because it's always better to work out your kinks on someone else's clients than yours. But we promise you this, your clients will be blown away by the transformation our program will help you make. You'll be masterful at a whole new level and part of an incredible community of coaches worldwide taking their skills to the next level. So if you thought today's episode had some fire to it and inspired you to take action, wait until you see what we deliver on this program. So just go to gymnasioedu.com and we'll see you on the other side. Remember that turning your passion for fitness into transformation and sustainable business is critical to reaching the people and lives you were put on earth to help. It matters and truly can make an impact in other people's lives. So I hope you do that. Keep sharing your passion and we'll talk to you soon.